Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 46 of Revelation chapter 14. And we're going to be reading verses 17 through 19. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, this is another angel, we're told, and that is another messenger, the first that came out of the temple, back in verse 15, um, cried with a loud voice also to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in the sickle and reap. And that messenger was the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as the one who is sitting on the cloud, the Son of Man, is Christ. It's God issuing forth a command within the Godhead, and it's the same situation now in verse 17. Another angel or messenger came out of the temple having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire. And, and again, issues a command to thrust in the sickle and, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. And all these references to angels are speaking of God himself. Now, we can know that the uh, one angel that commands the other angel to thrust in the sickle and, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, we can know that angel most certainly is God because he is giving a command. And it is only God who's in control and has full authority over the time of the judgment of this world. The angels, angelic beings, do not have that kind of authority. They do not possess that kind of power. Only God has that kind of authority and power. And we can know that, as it says in verse 18, another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire. That uh, since this angel or messenger is coming out from the altar, that it is speaking of Jesus. Because the altar is a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word for altar, the word translated as altar in the New Testament, is 2380. And it comes from the Greek word that's translated as sacrifice in 2379 in Strong's Concordance. It, it is 
derived from that word. The altar and sacrifices that are placed upon the altar are completely identified with one another. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice of God himself. Christ, we fully understand, is the sacrifice. Well, he is also typified by the altar that the sacrifice is laid upon. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says in verse 10, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. And we, the people of God, have an altar. Christ is our altar. It is that altar, uh, the Lord Jesus, that is referred to in Revelation 6 and in verse 9. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Why are they under the altar? Because they're, they're covered by the blood of Christ. The, the animal is laid upon the altar. The priest slays the sacrificial animal. The blood starts uh, dripping and, and falling down upon the altar. And God's people are under the altar, under the blood of Christ. His blood has washed away our sin, cleansed us from all iniquity. And, and so we're um, spoken of as being under him or under the altar. Now in Revelation 8, which is a chapter where God focused on the judgment on the corporate churches during the first part of the Great Tribulation. Uh, well, actually, the judgment, excuse me, on the churches was throughout the 23-year Great Tribulation period. And in Revelation 8, it says in verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there were given unto him much incense, that he should offer it, with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And, and then it goes on. And that is the beginning language in Revelation 8 that um, describes the judgment of God upon the third part, or it will in the following verses, it, where, where the wrath of God is pictured by the uh, coals of fire, or when the, the censer was filled with fire of the altar. And, and so... The altar was identified with fire. The sacrifice would be laid upon the altar. It would be slain and burned as it pictured the wrath of God, as God himself is spoken of as being a consuming fire. And the sacrificial animal would be consumed by the fire upon the altar. And that's why uh, we we find 
this language in Revelation 14 in verse 18 concerning this uh, angel. Another angel came out from the altar. Now we know that all the angels have been Christ so far. So we're, we're uh, confident that this angel also is Christ. But the fact that he comes out from the altar, as the altar completely identifies with the Lord Jesus, confirms that it's speaking of Christ. And it goes on to say, which had power over fire. The Greek word translated as power is excusia. It's Strong's number 1849. And it can be properly translated as power or authority. It is possessing authority over fire. And, and that, um, it, 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 uh, really, uh, explains how it must be the Lord Jesus who is the angel coming out from the altar because Christ has personal experience. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He died for the sins of his people before this world even began. And it was as though he himself was laid upon the altar and he was slain. God slew him and uh, and it, and it was as though the fire of God's wrath consumed him. And yet he rose from the dead. He was victorious over death. He, he was the sacrifice that returned to life. And, and therefore God gave him all power of, of and uh, all authority over things in heaven and the earth. And he has authority over fire. He, he won the victory, first of all, over the wrath of God in returning to life through the resurrection of the dead. And God tells us this in um, John chapter 5 concerning the authority that has been entrusted to the Son of God. It says in John 5.26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. So God gave authority, and and that's the same word, excusia, translated as power. God gave him power to execute judgment. And fire in the Bible um, identifies with the wrath of God or with the judgment of God just as we read um, here in Revelation 14 in verse 10 the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy messengers or angels and in the presence of the Lamb Again, the wrath of God has everything to do with fire. Um, the Bible speaks of Christ coming in flaming fire to take vengeance upon 
the unsaved people of the earth. And, and so this angel, uh, who is the Lord Jesus had authority over fire. Now just one other thing before we move on concerning fire. In Revelation chapter 10, in Revelation 10, and Revelation 10 is a chapter, um, it, it, in the midst of the three woes, as uh, the Lord said, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth at the end of Revelation 8, because the first four judgments were trumpets, identified with the judgment on the churches and congregations, and the final three identify with the judgment on the world. Woe, woe, woe. Each woe relates to the trumpet, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh trumpet. And Revelation 9 spoke of um, the woe of Judgment Day, and then there was an interlude, in a sense, from Revelation 9, as God gave Revelation chapter 10, but it's in the midst of his describing these woes. And then in Revelation 11, he'll speak of the second woe being passed and the third woe coming quickly. And and and, and so we wonder, well, why Revelation 10? Well, we went through the chapter and we saw that it was God's plan to lay out um, a, a program of uh, declaring his judgment where uh, in the very last verse, in verse 11, he says in uh, in Revelation 10, 11, he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And we went over that carefully and realized it was God's commandment to his people in the day of judgment to declare the information coming forth from the word of God, which would be bitter information. It, it would not be wells of living water that people could hear and become saved, but it had to do with uh, publishing the news of Babylon's fall, publishing the information that the world was under judgment once again. Well, I, I wanted to... Uh, just mention that because in looking at the word fire that's in Revelation 14, I saw in verse 1 of Revelation 10 a reference to something interesting that I didn't notice then. And let me read Revelation 10 verse 1, which says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And uh, we we can't come to any other conclusion other than that this is speaking of the Lord Jesus. And this is actually helpful for us to revisit uh, as we're reading of so many angels making appearances in Revelation 14, and here in Revelation 10, 1, a mighty angel of uh, the Apostle John Saul, and when we read that a rainbow was about his head, and his face was as, as it were the sun, and God identifies himself with the sun, Christ with the sun in the sky, not anyone else, 
spiritually, it represents God Himself. And, and so that, um, proves that yes, God does speak of Himself as an angel. In this case, a mighty angel. Well, also at the end of this verse, it says, in His feet as pillars of fire. And we saw how Christ went through the fires of judgment when, when we discussed this verse and, and that's why I said it, it describes his feet as pillars of fire. But also, now that we see much more clearly that it is God's plan to send forth his people to reap the harvest in the day of judgment, which agrees with what is uh, commanded in Revelation 10:11 thou must prophesy again and which agrees with what we learn from Jeremiah 50 concerning the fall of Babylon publish these things um publish and conceal not and and so forth well also in the very beginning of this chapter when we read of the Lord Jesus Christ's feet as pillars of fire. Well, uh, this is something we should have thought of, or I should have thought of as studying this and teaching this, is that God speaks of his feet in a way that identifies with his elect people. Remember in Romans chapter 10, in Romans 10, it says in verse 15, And how shall they preach, except they be sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. All right, so we understand that. How beautiful are the feet of them, God's people, that carried the gospel, sowing seed into the world. Oh, but but this is drawing from a verse in Isaiah. In Isaiah 52, it says in verse 7 of Isaiah 52, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Now, this is very similar in in the wording of the verse, except it's not how beautiful are the feet of them, but how beautiful are the feet of him, because it's speaking of Christ. And yet, when uh, it's referred to and drawn upon in the book of Romans, in Romans 10.15, it's changed. And, and God sometimes does this uh, for his own purposes, from the feet of him, to the feet of them. It's changed, but it's the same. It's the same because those people who went forth carrying the gospel into the world are the body of Christ. We are spiritually a part of his body. He is the head. Remember that passage that, that lays out the various parts of the body? He is the head And we are likened to the feet. When God sends the gospel into the world, 
It is his people that carry it. We're the messengers of the gospel. And, and yet, at the very same time, God can, um, view it as though Christ is the one going forth, publishing these things. Well, since that is an understanding, the Bible uh, encourages us to have regarding publishing the message of peace. Well, uh, we can have the identical understanding concerning publishing the message of Judgment Day, and so it's uh, it's very fitting in the chapter Revelation ten in which God is going to commission us in a another way, not the great commission of bringing the gospel unto salvation where the the hearers, those predestinated hearers, would hear and become saved, but to bring the gospel message that declares the judgment of God. It's a bitter message, but we're commanded, thou must prophesy again. And in establishing the chapter, as Revelation 10 begins, showing us this mighty angel who is the Lord Jesus, and he has in his hand a little book open. It's open already. It is Christ, and his feet are as pillars of fire. They are the true believers who will carry the message of God's wrath and judgment into the world. And since there's no more salvation, it's a, only a fiery message. It's a message of judgment alone. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.